Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would really, really kind of, you know, um, again, like to talk about kind of those relational aspects of, uh, of kind of what you do. And, and, and I think you have a very, um, if I might say this before we really get started here, I think you have a very progressive outlook and very relational outlook on just getting in touch with people kind of where they're at, helping them to encounter God where they're at. That's yeah. really what this podcast is all about is encouraging people to be where they're at and to look to God from where they're at and to not try to, you know, to try to keep up with the Joneses spiritually. Right. So, or to disqualify um, themselves before they even get started. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so if that sounds good, we will, we will get started. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks. Dr. <laughs> you want me to start saying something? Uh, no, I'll, I'll, we'll, I'll kind of, I'll kind of, you'll, you'll hear it. Here we go. All right. Okay. <laughs> this is this is this is awesome. I love it. All right. Um, okay. So uh, we're we like to pretend that we're real professional, but we're, we're really not um, that professional. So um, it's good to pretend every once in a while. It is. It is. It's good to pretend to be professional, especially when you're working in the church. That's a that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing to do. Um, that's awesome. I love it. Hello, James. How are you? I'm doing very well today. I am. Uh, I'm really excited. And tell me why. Um, it feels like we're back in uh, the pandemic a little bit because we're having a, a Zoom a guest. Zoom call. How cool is that? It's very cool. Um, we're having a Zoom guest because our guest uh, this afternoon, uh, or whenever you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> uh, our guest um, is taking time out of his busy schedule, uh, both being a, a husband and a father and a grandfather. Uh, and then also uh, teaching a baptism class this evening. So he's making time wow. for us before teaching a virtual baptism class. Uh, we're, we're joined by the wonderful uh, Dr. John Osmond, uh, who I have the nice. privilege of working with here at St. Vincent de Paul. Um, he's like kind of the, the guru of all things uh, RCIA and, and really, um, really evangelizing here uh, on, our, on our campus. So uh, I'm really excited, Dr. John. Welcome. Thank you very much, James. Appreciate it. Well, we are, um, so we're, we're talking to guests. Uh, last week, we talked to uh, a youth pastor um, mm-hmm. from, from Buda, uh, yep. Texas, uh, a, a, a Protestant youth pastor, our, our brother in Christ. Um, and we talked about this kind of relational approach to ministry. We talked about the process of metanoia, of kind of mm-hmm. turning your heart to God and, and how that uh, is not a one-time thing, how that's something that takes time. It takes a lot of little steps that kind of build up to uh, this relationship with Christ. We talk about encounter all the time here on the Lake to Church podcast. And um, Dr. John, I've, I've, uh, if I can jump right into it, I am, I'm, since we've been working together, uh, I've been very impressed by your approach uh, at, at just really being encouraging, kind of being people's cheerleader uh, mm-hmm. as you teach them, as you evangelize to them. Tell me about mm-hmm. that sort of positive process of, of really making, um, you know, evangelization uh, like a hopeful thing. Huh. Well, that's interesting that you, you say that because, um, you know, I'm 62 years old now, and so I can trace that back all the way to my upbringing. Uh, I was raised in a large family, seven sisters and three brothers, and there was never a dull moment in my family. I always say it was like uh, getting, you know, being raised on the internet, or I'm sorry, on the uh, on the interstate. (laughs) (laughs) There was always something going on. And uh, with my I was number seven. If they had one more child, I would have been officially the, the beginning of the third quarter. (laughs) <laughs> I was definitely the oldest child of the second half, but uh, and and to boot, I had uh, my grandparents, my mom's parents, live with us. Oh wow! So it was yeah. almost like a a whole nother day and age uh, growing up with an extended family and with all those kids, um, and so it was, it's kind of baked in, I guess, to me 
to to be around people. Mm. Uh, and you know, going through my teenage years, um, you know, as we all go through that uh, period, and you just I had four teenagers myself, and I always prayed that they would come out the other end okay, mm-hmm. or at least alive. Mm. Um, <laughs> That's and, always a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I needed to have some peace and quiet. And that's actually, I, I now look back on that time when I graduated from high school and I, I went into the uh, Benedictine monastery uh, kind of as a way just to have some peace and quiet after oh, wow. all that upbringing and around all those people. But it always, it was really even then uh, being around monks and, and they were brothers. They called themselves brothers or his fathers. There's always been this kind of family aspect of of catholicism yeah. that that was very natural for me uh to do um and it's like i said it's it's been baked in and and even when i decided to leave the seminary and and start you know i wanted to have a family and i thought well i can't do that well you could i guess with a philosophy or a theology degree but it you know i i decided i'd study computer science um, which is almost the antithesis of relationships. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. And but you know it's a, it's it's a job, and it's it's actually I knew back then in the in the late seventies that this would be an important thing moving forward, and yeah. and uh, could have some job security to it. And I and I liked it, and I liked it. And uh, when I started into that industry, working with engineers and software developers. Uh, it became clear to me that I was very different from a lot of them uh, because I would be, I was a lot more social. Uh, most, most of the engineers I worked with were, you know, had, they, they, they like to do things by themselves mm-hmm. and, they, and, and, they, and they get so ingrained in the computer that they forget that there's, a, there's people out there right. in the world. Sure. And that, and that it was interesting because that background of mine, my family background, and even my background at the seminary and learning liberal arts and things like that, that I quickly became a manager. You know, they, they, they realized that they had somebody who understood the technology, but also somebody who could mm. relate and communicate because communication and, and relationships are intimately tied. Right. You're not able to uh, communicate uh, where you are and what you're doing. Uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a marriage, you know, you have to be able to, to communicate with one another mm-hmm. and, and learn, learn to read the signs from each other and move forward. So, um, so I think that in the training I got there, you know, added on top of all of this background that I had, uh, I, rem- <laughs> I remember when I first went to official management training in, in, um, in, in the high tech industry, uh, there was a, a, a leader uh, who led our session, and she stood up and said, "Every manager dies their first year." Okay. And I thought I was, yeah. And I thought I was back in tech, which you know, tech teens encounter crisis, where I had this experience when I was a teen of of an encounter with Christ, you know, and 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 dying and rising, and the weak team, and 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 all that stuff. You know, it's kind of like here I was again. Wow. <laughs> at, at like a retreat, but it was in corporate America, but it was about death. And it was about how you have to die to yourself. Mm. Somebody who is in management, mm-hmm. not do the work, but let other people do the work. Mm. And, and even though you're capable of doing it, that you have to realize that you can get so much more done. And, and it's to their benefit, the company's benefit, see, because they want more stuff to get done. Mm-hmm. And if they have a bunch of solo people running around, they're not going to get a lot of work done. Right. Yeah. They get a lot more work done when people work together. Mm-hmm. And they build on things. Like if I have a problem, you know, in the high-tech industry, I would always go into somebody's office and start talking about it. And they might not even help me solve it. They just are listening. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow that process of communication and uh, relationship and having that uh, trust and that comfort of, of thinking out loud with somebody allowed us to all to move forward right? Sure. Sure. And, and spend a lot less time working on our problem. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And so that was the management's job was to to trust these to trust people, encourage them because a lot of people need some motivation and encouragement. You can do it. You know the best comment or the best um, the best name I had the, 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 one of the t- one of the guys on the team one time. He started calling me coach. Oh. And I and I felt that was the best compliment I ever had. That's amazing. You know, because I wanted to be a manager who was more like a player coach mm-hmm. than a, you know, I'm working on my own career and I'm I'm moving up the ladder and I don't care about you guys. I'm gonna walk all over you as a way to to further my own, you know, career. Right. I never worked that way as Matter of fact, one of the guys, you know, I worked with a lot of people from around the world in the high tech industry here. And uh, there was a guy from Pakistan, I think it was, who told me, he said, baseball is really weird. Well, why is it that the coach dresses up like the rest of the player? <laughs> <laughs> we just thought that was really odd. It's different. It is, it is a little sports. different. It is a little different. Yeah. yeah. As someone yeah, who, who plays I, a lot I of baseball. I remember taking up the prayer at the time and thinking this affinity that we have with people is so important mm-hmm. in terms of management. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I may not be, you know, they're not as old as the, the players. They can't run as fast and all that, but at least they've been there and mm-hmm. they've done that and they can share their wisdom. And, uh, and so I guess, you know, I just, I benefited from my, you know, my background, I benefited from my experience in the sim. I benefited from my relationship with my spouse, mm-hmm. um, learning how to communicate in a in a in a marital relationship, uh, starting to have my own children, and learning to give them the space. I, I you know applying all those skills in every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I, mean, I mean, we used to have a family meeting uh, when we had, we had four children and um, we still have them, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the, but they're, they're the, now the, grown. The meetings are the children. <laughs> we, have, we don't have, well, uh, we might need some every once in a while. We the really kids are going to be carve, riding in now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We really tried to carve out the time um, to do that. And some of it was very practical because, you know, things are busy. We're busy back then with kids. They're even busier now mm-hmm. with people right. running around doing all the sports and scouts and all these activities that they do. Uh, and I look back on what we did with our kids and it pales in comparison to what I see parents doing nowadays. Mm-hmm. But even then, you know, it, it, we, we felt like, you know, from a practical point of view, we needed to sit down on a Sunday afternoon and say, what's happening this week? Sure. Who That's is true. going where? Yeah. 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 You know, I, I always use the image of uh, um, in World War II, Patton and Eisenhower and, and Montgomery, you know, the generals around the table moving the tanks and the airplanes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it felt. It was like, okay, you're going to pick the kids up here on Tuesday. I'm going to take them on Wednesday. I'm going to do this on Thursday. Yep. You know, it, it really, it really felt like you need that. that. Uh, so there was a very practical reason to get together, you know, similar to our, you know, getting together as a community in our, in, in the workplace, having meetings and, and talking about what we're doing. Uh, but one thing that we did too was we would have the kids go around and talk about what uh, what they wanted to talk about, what was going on in their life. Oh wow! And, and give them a say. You know, this wasn't mom and dad, you know, lording it over them or running this thing. This was this was a community, you know, kind of thing, and and let them pick even some of the activities that we would do as a family camping. Everybody got to pick something. It was really a sense of giving people the power. Uh, yeah. to, to blossom. That's and so important. I think, that, is. you know, and I think it was per- perhaps growing up in a family of 11, you know, it's maybe something I never had. Right, you right. Know? You know, because I remember being left behind at the pool, you know, it's like, they, <laughs> they completely forgot, you know, I don't, uh, I don't matter in this family at all, you know. Oh, so, you awesome. know, I kind of, I kind of made a, you know, we all do this when we grow up, we kind of, compensate for some of the sure. deficiencies deficiencies we had in our own upbringing but 
you know, and that was always my thing was make sure the kids felt like they were included and had a voice mm. and a say in, in what we were doing. So how does that, how does that translate to, to maybe not necessarily like, like, um, uh, overtly or, or, um, overwhelmingly, you know, calling someone into the church, but, but, uh, maybe, uh, you know, your, your, your approach to me seems, uh, like very personable, very subtle. It's not, it's mm-hmm. not scary. Right. I, I know for a lot of folks when they're coming into, I mean, you know, uh, uh, getting involved in your, in your parish or your church, kind of getting involved in your faith life, deepening your relationship with God, that's a life changing, uh, decision, right? That's a big mm-hmm. deal. And so I think to a lot of people, um, you know, maybe even people that go into it uh, in sort of a lighthearted manner where they, they go into it thinking, oh, you know, this will be fun. I'll make some friends. Right. It can very quickly become a thing that is is pretty scary and is and is, is big. Um, how do you how do you keep people's um, kind of I don't want to say like nerves at bay, but but how do you how do you kind of help people to what what advice do you give to people to kind of help them just remain calm throughout that process? You're talking about people coming into the church, yeah. like in our way, yeah. for or, instance, or, or even in even in just folks who are you know who maybe all, are already you know Catholic. They already have a spiritual background, right? But they they just mm-hmm. want to do they want to do more. They want to grow their faith. No. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's it's everybody's different, and and uh, you have to get to know people. I find that I spend. We, with the people that are coming into the church, you know, I'll, today I spent an hour with a gentleman, right? And and I just, you know, ask questions. I really try to, to understand who they are. And also I know it takes time. Uh, and so I do this multiple times and with smaller groups. I think size matters. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and, and I, in our CIA, we have the benefit sometimes of having a smaller community. Intimacy happens more in a smaller group. And I don't know when the size number gets to a certain size where it breaks down, but but people need to feel like they're uh, in a family or that they're or that they're uh, they can trust people and, and whatnot. You get a larger group that doesn't happen. So the size of the community I think is really important and always breaking up into um, to smaller groups when you can. Um, I find that working Finding things that are in common is important too. Uh, you know, I, I find that that kind of deflates things a lot. Um, I remember one time, oh, I was a front desk clerk, and and I, you know, you get people that come and they complain about stuff, right? And and you just kind of have to let it kind of wash over you that this this is not about you, this is about them or or the hotel or whatever. And this woman came up and she started complaining to me because I can't even remember now what it was. <laughs> something something in the room or whatever. And there was another woman there. It was an L-shaped counter and she was sitting there, standing there. And this woman kept complaining and I just listened and all this stuff. And finally I heard this other woman say, John Osmond, if you don't look over here at me, you know. And I looked over there and there was Birdie. It was this woman that was in the in the Newman Center with me in college. Oh wow! And we were like the best of friends. Oh. And it, and it was just amazing because the whole conversation changed. Because hmm. not wow. this woman. Hmm. I mean, everything she was complaining about just kind of went away. Oh wow! You hmm. know, just like that poof. And it's because you know her friend had a deep relationship with me. And it's amazing how she treated me wow. different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And so and so building a relationship is is key in all this and treating everybody differently. I mean, we have a basic teaching in the church, the dignity of the human person. Mm-hmm. And if and if somehow we have to get beyond the person as what has what we see or the role they have or a number or a student or whatever it is, and, and, and really try to connect at a at a deeper level. And we can only do that through asking questions, getting to know them, and spending time with them. So that's that's key. And that's how communities built. Communities built like that. 
I think that's beautiful. And that's exactly what you were talking about with your family. So you created that time and that space. You allowed them um, the opportunity to be seen, to be heard, to know that what they had to say was important. And you integrating, you know, I love how you integrated the uh, theology of tech with the, the dying into your work life. And now you're taking kind of, you know, the family you grew up in and allowing that to form the family that, you know, you and your wife have created and grown. And then you're taking that into the, the bigger church and using those same principles. Yeah. It doesn't seem that hard. I feel like, okay, okay. You just keep doing the same thing and apply it to this next group. It's almost like, it's like those, the, every once in a while, you'll come across those sayings of Jesus in scripture. Like the one that is always like mind blowing to me is be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Yeah. Jesus just kind that. of like, he just kind of casually <laughs> throws that out there, right? Like, Hey, uh-huh. be, Hey, go be perfect. And, and everybody's like, yeah, okay. And then I can just imagine them getting maybe 10 feet from Jesus and being like, wait, what? Like, how do what? we do that? How do, how do we do that? Right. Um, but it is, it is really, I think as simple as, um, you know, one, one thing that you, um, that you, that you mentioned there, like seeing someone's dignity. So seeing their, seeing their value the way, you know, in case anyone that's listening, if that's confusing, it's really kind of seeing their value the way that God sees mm. their value. Right. And, mm-hmm. and really kind of trying to be in tune with God's perspective in the way that we treat other people. We, we talked about it on a previous episode, um, you know, giving someone um, unconditional positive regard, right? So really kind of considering that, you know, this person is a child of God and whatever they're going through, whatever they're experiencing in their life, whatever they've done, they're not the sum of those parts, mm-hmm. right? And the fact yeah. that they're the child of God is, is greater than whatever situation they might be in at that particular moment. And I think for, I know for me, uh, working with young people, um, young people get really wrapped up in kind of, you know, what their environment reflects back at them. So mm-hmm. what their peers say about them, what social media says about them, what they're mm-hmm. even sometimes like what their families, their parents, you know, kind of say about them. If you're, they feel like they, they've got a lot of pressure to get into a certain college mm-hmm. or to, to, to be a particular kind of athlete or something Live like up that. To those expectations. Exactly. Those expectations yeah. kind of come to define them right yeah. in kind of a negative space kind of way. And, and I think, you know, a lot of our, a lot of the success that that I've seen in youth ministry over the years comes when, you know, like at a, a tech retreat or some of these other encounter experiences where someone kind of recognizes their own dignity and, mm-hmm. and, and the same way that God that God sees them, right? And and it takes it does mm-hmm. it takes a church it takes people um, you know really kind of working on relationships building relationships uh, to help us see that about ourselves, right? To kind of recognize that in us. Um, no. John, I would I would love to hear uh, if you're willing to share about um, about an encounter moment. You, you you mentioned going on tech all those years ago. Um, I, I'd, I'd right. love to hear maybe a way that you have uh, encountered Christ in your life and and how that experience has kind of motivated you in in different ways. Well, there's major and minor. There's, you know, big moments, there's little moments, and then there's little tiny moments, mm. you know, every day. Major, minor, micro. <laughs> encounter. But I, I, I look back on my life and uh, uh, I, I, there were definitely two major moments of, of conversion, if you will, or of, of encounter with God. Uh, of course, there were lots of other ones too, but... And I mentioned tech, and that was when I was 17. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of this has to do with what we're talking about, relationships, because um, I had been, you know, I, I, anytime you talk about relationships or these moments of conversion, you have to kind of reveal a little bit more about yourself. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I'm not sure who I'm talking to now with this podcast. But, um, I it was a, it was the 1970s, and I grew up in the 60s and in the 70s, and it was a very difficult time. All, all times are, I'm sure, but uh, as a child, it felt especially difficult with the changes that were going on. And uh, my mom and dad kind of trying to hold on to this big Catholic family. And yet, you know, the Vietnam War was going on. I had two brothers, older brothers that were involved in that. And then there was uh, the whole drug scene and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And and I grew up kind of 
feeling a little sorry for my parents because mm -hmm. of seeing what was happening with that, with that. And I myself fell away from the church and stopped going as a high school student. Um, and, but I, but I remember, uh, thinking that there had to be more to life than, mm. than this, than what I was seeing in these other people that I was running around with. And it was very different counter to what my parents had taught us. And, um, mentioning we went to the high school and talked my parents into going to the high school. We, I came from a lower middle-class family. We didn't have any money. I was the first one to go to college. As a matter of fact, wow. out of 11. Wow. And, um, talking to them to go to the high school to learn about how to get financial aid to go to college. And we were walking through the hall. And if you were to see me back then, you would not be, you'd be amazed at the person that I am today. Okay. I was just not this long haired, you know, high school student that looked completely lost. And, um, but he had some aspirations and I swear to God, the most beautiful, knockout teen girl in our high school came up and hugged my father and i thought what is that What's all happening? about you know? That's funny. <laughs> so, you know and she was from tech and my dad was my dad was one of the first deacons ordained in the united oh, states back wow. in 76 and uh, and and I thought, well, he's got he's got. My dad was a natural community person too. He was always involved in the community in all sorts of different ways. He was a teacher and this sort of thing. And so, you know, I mentioned to him when maybe I should go on one of those things, and he and he invited me, and I I changed my life oh. in that one weekend. Wow. I walked back and lost all my friends. Wow. And I got a whole new group of friends. It was a, it was a, it was the biggest conversion in my life, and I have never turned back, wow. never turned back. Um, That's great. And I, and I guess I'll just mention the other one, which was later on in life. I was so involved in the high tech industry, moving up. You know, I'd met Bill Gates, I'd met Steve Jobs, I met all these characters, you know, in, in different aspects of my life, and. Um, there was a time when they were looking at the company I was working with at the time was looking for executives, you know, and they, and they would send you off to these places. Like I went to Istanbul for this thing that the business school ran and they were, you know, they were basically, it was basically, a, it was supposed to be some sort of a management training, but it was really like, who, who's the next executives, you know? Mm. So there was this kind of underlying competitiveness to yeah. it. And at the, at the time that this was going on, my mother decided that it was time to die. Wow. And, uh, and I just remember thinking how ironic it was that at this critical junction in my career, my mother Oof. was passing away. Mm -hmm. And I and it was a moment, to make this long story short, because this was a multi-month experience of where did I come from? Mm -hmm. And what are my values? Wow. And mm -hmm. What, what is it that's in front of me and what, what am I going to choose? And it was actually a tremendous gift that my mother left me at that time uh, because I, I decided that this was not for me. Wow. And, that, and I had four kids. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine my wife when I come home and say, uh, I think I'm going to change my career, you know? Oh, wow. But, but what happened, nothing fell apart. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife was very supportive and I had a lot, I, I, I learned again about how we're interdependent, you know, it was these other people in my life back with them when I was teens, all the friends that I developed that were part of the glue that kept, that kept me in the body, yeah. if you will. Mm -hmm. sure. Sure. And the same thing happened here with, with my wife and my friends. They all, they all knew what was going on and, and they supported me. Even my boss supported me and allowed me then to stop being a manager. I had like, I can't remember how many people that were working for me then at the time, but, and, and pulled off and then had some time by myself. And, hmm. um, and I ended up actually starting a whole nother technical project that by the time I left the company, everybody else was working on. <laughs> so wow. it, it was just, just an, an amazing experience of learning um, that I have, I'm not by myself mm -hmm. and that we're interdependent. And I think that's always something that I felt that was a part of who I am. 
growing up. But you know, when I when I study theology and I and I and we see that God is a community, mm-hmm. God is relationships, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and that's what we're called into. That's how. That's the image that we're made in. First of all, we're made for each other. In our in our culture, you know, our Western culture, especially, but in the United States, even more so. That ism of individualism. You know, I don't need anybody to help me. Mm-hmm. I can do this all by myself. You know, that's that goes a counter to God because God doesn't act like that. Right. God, 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 the Father depends on the Son, mm-hmm. and the Son depends on the Spirit, <laughs> and it's just right. and it's just swirling, the swirling a community of interdependency mm-hmm. and love, and and that and that's what we're we're called to do too, um, and, and participate in. So that's like Yeah. So those are those are the two highlights of, of, of that. But I but I continue even to this day. I still am learning about this. You know, in our church ministry, you know, we 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 have it's a very human organization. You know, and there's we we depend upon each other. We depend upon volunteers, mm-hmm. and it's not always fun, and it doesn't always work out the way. You know, we wish people were more dedicated or we wish people were more involved or, 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 or not involved, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, but it's like, what are you going to do with them? Yeah. You know, yeah. well, they're yeah. part of the body and, and there's a role for somebody right. and, mm-hmm. and you got to somehow, you know, go through the process of being together and, and, and seeing how God is going to work with us to, to make something happen. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, just this idea that, you know, you, you said something uh, that, that kind of struck me. Um, the father is dependent on the son. I, I don't, I mean, I know that the father and the son are intimately connected, right? And I, certainly in scripture, we look at, you know, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He's he's dependent on the father in that moment. He is, mm-hmm. he is leaning on his relationship with the father. Mm-hmm. I think of the father as, you know, almighty, all powerful, kind of like, yeah. you know, you know, like raining down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Like that kind of power. And so I don't, I don't often think that that power is dependent on anything, Mm -hmm. right? That power really needs anything. And, and yet theologically, you know, God teaches us the exact opposite that, 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 you know, the the father chooses, he, he sacrifices of, you know, his, you know, if he wanted to, he could be all by himself. Right. And, and he doesn't mm-hmm. want that. He wants not only the Son and the Holy Spirit, but he wants each of us, us as well. Yeah. And, and he wants each of us to have this particular place um, mm-hmm. that is is made for us uniquely, mm-hmm. right? And and the idea that God, um, it's not just kind of a like a like a wish for God or, or something that he kind of fantasizes about, but that's something that he is dependent upon that for yeah. his for for him to be satisfied, mm-hmm. right? That, yeah. that we we have to be there with him in this really intimate and unique way yeah. that both then that that way is unique to our relationship with him right that's such a such an incredible thing to think about I think that's something that gets lost in um, I think that's something that gets lost in general you, you mentioned that the individualism of Western culture right it, it gets lost in that message right I think it also gets lost in this idea that um, that we we have to you know we have to figure it all out right mm. and that and that there's a, you know, the church is kind of this, and we've talked about this before, the church is kind of this particular set of rules or this particular set of, of instructions, right? And if you stay kind of within these these rules, then then everything is fine. It's this very sort of logical, almost mechanical approach to living your life, right? Um, but I think once we really dig into those rules and we really dig into this relationship with God, what we find is this this really big, beautiful world that we've really only kind of just begun to explore yeah. in a relationship with him. And so, um, I, I wonder, uh, your, your work in RCIA, which is, um, uh, mm-hmm. the, the right of Christian initiation for adults, right? Which means that right. we're, we're bringing people into full communion with the Catholic church. We can talk about that later. Um, but <laughs> as people are kind of making that journey, do you, do you find, um, do you find people that feel like maybe maybe it's all up to them. Is that, is that an obstacle to people? Is it, do people feel, you know, kind of overwhelmed in that way? Um, I find that they, yeah, they're, they're every, again, people come to us from different 
different places and some some folks are looking for uh, they, they they've approached the church through uh, through the mind mm-hmm. or or they've approached it they're, they're protestants and and they and they're already christians mm-hmm. you know and so in their own christian journey this this turns out to be kind of the next step for mm-hmm. them uh, so it's like a natural uh, almost like an incremental revelation or step uh, but then there are people that have had absolutely no Christianity at all in their lives. Oh. And and they're looking for some stability. I find that mm. a lot. They're looking oh, wow. for tradition. Okay. They're looking for something that, because the world around us is changing so oh, much. So, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and so they're looking for something that is uh, a comfort to them. Mm-hmm. Um we we find people that come to us that are that are very spiritual, uh, and and have kind of come to us from that spiritual side and 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 see value in the church. So they're all they're all different. There is no cookie cutter kind of RCIA candidate mm-hmm. at all. Okay, um, and that's the value of having it where you know in our in our church we do it year round. And 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 the that that and that's what the right calls for. Mm-hmm. When somebody approaches, you start talking to them and, and bringing them in, and their path might be different. Uh, so, mm-hmm. for instance, you know a lot of parishes do it where they run August or September to Easter, and it's like everybody gets on the same bus and they all get treated like that. That is not the spirit of our CIA. That's adapting our CIA onto our culture. Sure. Our culture of an academic year, school year model, that's how we operate, that's what we do. Uh, but that's not the spirit of, of our CIA. Mm-hmm. Also, we're putting way too many people in our CIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, you know, the, the right is for those that are unbaptized, first of all, primarily. And secondarily, it's for those that are baptized, if they're baptized Catholic or not, we have Catholics in our CIA. So it's not about becoming Catholic. Mm-hmm. It's about becoming a Catholic Christian. Okay. And and so we have people that come to us that are baptized already as infants, but they've had no formation whatsoever. Oh, wow, yeah. Even if they're baptized Catholic, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of times Catholic couples will baptize the baby and then they walk away from the That's church it. or they don't be involved yeah. in church. Sure. And the sure. child never gets any formation. That's becoming more and more prevalent. Those are uncatechized, that's for our CIA. But if you take the gentleman I work with today, he's, he was involved in the Lutheran church. He went to a Lutheran school growing up. He was involved in his Lutheran church. He was active in it. He is not a candidate for our CIA. You know, we, we should do very little, teach him a little bit about how his church, which is Christian and Lutheran, okay, how that, what what is it about the Catholic church that then gets added to that. Those are incremental classes. Mm. Three, four, five of those maybe, and he's good to go. Yeah. Uh, and so, it, to, but, but to do those sort of, um, to make those sort of decisions requires us to get to know them mm-hmm. and, and, and treat them as individuals and, and not as a, oh, you're all day, this everybody goes over to RCIA. Right. Mm. You know, you can see why that's easy to do. And, and it's, it's a little bit more difficult and time consuming to really get to know them and then make those make those decisions. But it pays off for them. Right. For Absolutely. The truth. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, yeah. I mean, my most rewarding and, and maybe this is true for you, too, Nikki, like my most rewarding ministry. I, I love what we do on Sunday nights with 100 kids running around playing games and singing praise and worship together and all that stuff. My most rewarding ministry is taking three or four teens in a car on a mission trip and, and, and just, and just working alongside them all, all day. We're not necessarily talking about, you know, some, some big theological concepts, right. But they're, but we're kind of experiencing the work of the church, the work of God together. And, and we're, we're really just kind of there to support one another. Right. right? At the end of the day, like I'm still in charge, right. Meaning it's my car that we're all getting into. <laughs> right. But it, but it really is kind of a journeying with, as opposed to, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you, you know, from a, from an academic, uh, perspective, I'm going to teach you about God. Um, that's, that's certainly has value and it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, but if we're not, again, if we're not having that encounter moment, if we're not having that moment of real, um, 
a, a real conversation yeah. with with God, then it doesn't yeah. it doesn't stick usually. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was definitely gonna say car moments too, mm-hmm. even like short trips to Waco and stuff. Like when you know going to uh, DCYC or mm-hmm. or the thing in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Like lots of really good experiences in that relational ministry where I feel like. You know, if I could tie it back into where we're wearing the the baseball uniform with the players, mm-hmm. because you know we're engaging in that conversation of where they are right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be um, deep theology, but we're letting them know that um, we're invested in them. Absolutely, absolutely. That that in, that investment is something that I think a lot of people, um, at least in, in my experience with with teenagers, uh, that's where a lot of the hesitation comes from because it doesn't it doesn't feel like an investment to them in terms of friendship or, or in terms of, of, of fellowship it feels like more of an investment like school like school is an investment yeah. right and not, to take, and not to take anything away from from teachers or school or th- that's wonderful but it's not the same and and you know we can't necessarily apply those rules to a relationship with God mm-hmm. um, I, I, I want to ask you dr. John like if, if there's someone maybe who is uh, is on the fence about approaching their church approaching their parish um, about mm. getting more involved about maybe be becoming fully initiated right in the church yeah. um, or, or maybe even taking those first steps like they haven't been been baptized um, yeah. and, they're, and they're hesitant like if you've got a you know if you've got an, an, an elevator sales pitch for them uh, not necessarily like you know hey step right up and get baptized kind of thing but um, yeah. what do you what do you what do you um, what do you say to them well, one thing I would like to say about that is not to them, but to us in, in the church. And that is, um, we are to go to the fringes. We are not to be sitting here waiting for somebody to come knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. And that, that is certainly what happens most of the time. Um, I, I, had this, I had this interesting experience during the pandemic that I still am thinking about. Uh, we, 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 we moved a lot of things online, you know, through Zoom and all that, and it was all very, you know, uh, had its own growing pains, and we all lived through a lot of this. But I did notice that the inquiry phase of RCIA, which is the first phase, which is where we talk to people who are just approaching the church, actually our numbers went up. Oh, wow. And it was because it was online. Hmm. And they didn't have to come into the church. Oh. A lot of people were in, that I that I talked to mm-hmm. that are coming in, you know, they're, some of them are intimidated mm-hmm. by the church. Wow. And it could be, you know, it could be that parish. It could be the size of the church. It could be they don't know what's going on. There's all this stuff going on that can, up and down and all around <laughs> and all this and they don't know, and so they feel intimidated. And so by by actually having this thing where they could just be at home and be online with us, and start and start the process. Actually, I thought was was interesting, and it makes me it makes me pause because like the the, the work we did with the parents now that are having their children baptized online, the the classes, the baptism prep classes, those numbers went up. Wow! <laughs> I've got fourteen. I'm going to talk to here in about an hour. Wow. You know, and and it's because they have little babies and they don't want to bring them in. I mean, it's it's just like, it's, yeah, get a babysitter or all this stuff. We come to them. Yeah. And, it, and, and so we're all learning about this digital platform and its, and its usages. You know, I, I talked, you know, I teach this at Catholic University and at Loyola, Loyola Institute online about digital use, use of digital media. And, and people will say, well, they're not paying attention if, if you do this on Zoom. And, you know, <laughs> if they're sitting next to you in person, you have no idea if they're paying, if they're paying attention. attention. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you ask your, looking straight at Yeah. You know? Ask your, I mean, ask, I, ask, your, ask your parish priest if he thinks everyone is paying attention during a homily. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is a real struggle for a lot of priests. Like, that the, the, causes the, the, a lot of priests to question their vocation, right? Yeah, the, the, challenges for, the challenges for us, we have a new platform. And so we are learning. Everybody is learning. Mm-hmm. Public schools are learning. All of us are learning. How do we use this more efficiently for teaching and learning? Because each the, the church teaches this, that each platform is autonomous. 
and, and we should respect its own autonomous nature. And so what usually happens when a new media form emerges is that we take what we know and we copy and paste it onto it. Mm. Yeah. So the, 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 the simple thing is like when the web started coming out, people were taking like uh, files or PDF, uh, Adobe files, and putting them on the internet. Well, that, that doesn't honor right. the capabilities that that platform can do. And mm -hmm. so you have to do something different there. Sure. And so the way we teach on Zoom, the way we teach on these platforms is something that we have to learn how to better do so that we can have more engaging uh, times with them. Um, you know, the other thing that relates to this is um, in, the, in, the, in, the digital, in the digital space, is when we look at outside of all the platforms that are out there, Instagram, Facebook, and all TikTok and all this stuff, those things all change. But you know, what we teach in the graduate programs to masters that are, or masters program for people that are in ministry is to understand what the underlying digital principles are, because it is fundamentally different than the reading and writing platform that we had before. And, and so when you start learning these things and, and you look at what the um, academics and researchers that are in that field study, one of, the, one of the things that should really give us pause is that people start to behave in a way similar to the way the computer behaves because they're engaging with the computer, the time that they're spending with the computer, and I'm talking specifically now about the cell phone specifically, mm -hmm. but it is a but it is a computer. I can tell you that. Right. I've worked on them. Yeah. And, and and the way that those computers work is like these different modules communicating with each other, objects. Mm. And they end up when you want when you need an object, you, you go look for it as fast as you can, and when you don't need it, you discard it. And so what happens is we end up adopting some of the characteristics of the computer. We are, we are over, we, we treat people like objects, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. We treat people like they're computers. Mm -hmm. Do I need you right now or do I not need you? Are you good for me not or not good for me? Wow. As yeah. opposed to the person that they, that they really truly are. Mm -hmm. And what's happening in our culture then for is we're losing our humanness. Gosh. And, it's, and it, it, just, it, it just amazes me the prophetic nature of the Vatican Council, which said, a lot of people say it was a turn to the human. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we, we say it's an anthropological turn. It was a turn to man. And that's been denigrated by some, but I see, I see it very prophetic because we are losing our sense of relationship and, and, and our humanity. Mm -hmm. Social skills are going down. Sure. You know, people, looking people in the eye or being polite with them and having conversation with them. We are so now distracted by lots of things. Our attention spans are going down that, and we're not spending the time like with a family around the table right. and, and just doing nothing but being with one another. Yeah. You know, all those things are in decline. And so there's a, I think a tremendous call for the church, which where a lot of people come together that, you know, people ask, well, what do we do? Well, it's right underneath our nose. We have to put people together. Mm -hmm. No, yes. Mm -hmm. We have to assist people having conversation with one another. And, now, and you can say, well, that's, you know, but that's not happening. Right. A lot. Sure. It seems like um, it's an obvious answer, but it, it's not happening, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not happening. And we have people coming into our communities. They're there, yeah. You know? yeah, and they're and they're and they may not be asking for this, but they're yearning for it. Sure, right. Sure, Ooh. yearning. And there's a there's a real, um, you know, I, as you're as you're talking, I'm I'm thinking about the gospel, and I, you know, that this model that Jesus shows of having his 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 three and his twelve and his seventy two, right, and and mm -hmm. that that intimacy with those three. I mean, the, those three were called because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was some you know, some divinely ordained, uh, reason, right. But there's also this very human reason of Christ wanting and needing friends, right. His, 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 him being a human being and him wanting and needing friends, needing, you know, on, on some level, uh, Jesus really loved and appreciated that Peter was willing to like draw his sword for him, <laughs> right. That people, yeah. Peter was willing to like step up for him and be his friend. Um, yeah. you know, even though that wasn't the right thing for Peter to do. Right. And, and so I, I, 
as I, as I, I, you know, I hear you talk about how our, our humanity is, is eroding a little bit. You know, I wonder if, you know, if, if, if Jesus, you know, if, if, if that, um, kind of, uh, I guess that, that, that characteristic of, um, of the, of, of discipleship, right. Needs to be, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the new evangelization. We've talked about uh, a lot about, um, the, the, one of the things that the, the conference of Catholic bishops are doing, they're, they're having a, a synod on synods, right. Which is basically, um, how do we talk to people about our problems? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so we want people to talk to us about the issues that they have. How do we do that? Right. And so the church, mm-hmm. I think to your point has to kind of understand that, that, this this uh, this loss of our humanity is not it's not an optional thing for us to pay attention to. We have to in order to remain Christian, like to remain mm-hmm. fundamentally Christian, we have to pay attention to where people are. We have no. to pay attention to to their their perspectives. We have to pay, to pay attention to the things that they care about, right? And if you're just if you're just kind of spitting out facts of the faith, right? If you're just kind of giving them yeah. the math, right, behind or or, or the code behind right what being a catholic is there's not i mean that the 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 personality of it like the like the personal nature of the of the church is what's attractive about it right that's what i mean that's what draws you know andrew to jesus in the first place is right is that there's this personal invitation so it's a very kind of roundabout way of saying you know we really do need each other Mm -hmm. we really need each other and it's not it's not a hippy dippy pie in the sky thing it's like <laughs> fundamental to our survival as a as a child. well absolutely we see it in scripture as you point out I, i'm leading this bible study on paul's letters from prison and it is amazing to me how the scripture paul says in, in i think the letter to the philippians uh the imitators of me mm. and you know one can read that as boy, you know, Paul, you know, who are you? You're not Jesus. Yeah. You're not Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be imitating Jesus, you know, but Paul's a Christian and we're supposed to be Christian. And he knows that people learn the faith through human to human interaction. Mm-hmm. And so I am, you know, we say you, you may be the only scripture that somebody reads, you know, and maybe we should say you are the scripture. You know that people, wow, are yeah. you know that you are that uh, in the world, and and that's that's where it happens. That's where people they they catch the faith. Absolutely, through that. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Dr. John, thank you so much for your time. We're, we're, we've hit, uh, you know, I know uh, you, you have um, your, your lovely wife uh, waiting for you with, with my bride, as you, 40 as you, years, 40 years. Congratulations. Last. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Um, uh, who also works for the church, does a lot of fabulous work for the church, uh, works for the U.S. That's SMB, right. which is very cool. Um, uh, so we want to, we want to let you go. Uh, we're going to pray together uh, kind of on, on uh, our way out of here. We usually end with a and our Father, a Hail Mary, and a Glory Be. I want to thank you for giving us so much to think about, and especially so much to think about in the way that we kind of see others. Mm-hmm. You know, letting ourselves be dependent on one another, I think, is a really fundamental Christian thing. So thank you for, for sharing that Very with well. us today. Yes. Thank you both. Yeah. Thank you both. Let's, uh, let's pray together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our, our Father, Father, who art, who art in, in heaven, heaven hallowed, hallowed be thy, thy name. Thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come, thy will be done, done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dr. John, thank you so much for your time and for all of the, the wisdom. We really appreciate it. It's given me a lot to think about. Which is me cool. too. I love it. And um, I feel like I made a new friend. I know. I'm yeah. also, I'm also a um, retired engineer who went into ministry because when I when I first got to our engineering office, they they had a big room and they had to put up cubicles because I talk too much. 
I was made for I was made for ministry, not for engineering. That is awesome, and especially yes. his ministry. Oh, it's awesome. so crazy! That and I'm awesome. also um, a mom of four kids, so we have that coming oh, too. Oh, And my 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 big conversion happened when I was 16 on a tech retreat. So we have a lot in common. Oh, that's right, and we know each know Sarah, and we each know Sarah. <laughs> yes. Very cool. and lovely dog. See, it's that it's that common ground. Yes, that's sir. Right. That's right. Absolutely. And speaking of speaking of tech retreats, yes. uh, can we? When when is okay. the tech retreat? Yes. It is um, January thirteenth through the fifteenth, twenty twenty two. Yeah. And if you're listening in Central Texas, you can go to uh, tec-ctx.org. I think is or the something website. like that. Something like that. Well, in our Insta bio, it's it's we it's have a link there. there. Yeah. And uh, James and I will both be serving on teams, so mm-hmm. that'll be fun. Bring your friends. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Dr. John. We'll let you go. Uh, okay. Have Bless a wonderful, you. wonderful Bless night. You. Thanks. Thank Peace. you so much. Bye. Okay. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. Hi, Nikki. Hello, James. This is uh, round two for this episode. Kind round of. two. So, uh, Dr. John was very generous with his time. He gave us, uh, he had kind of a kind of a short window um, to join uh, us. And when we have doctors us. on the podcast, we're going to be very respectful of their yeah, time. Yeah, very respectful of their time. And I work like literally two doors down from him. And you I do know, not I do. Yeah. Yeah, I know like how much he puts in in a day. Like he is just constantly doing something he's constantly working on he's very intentional on with his time huh? curriculum or working on or you know like he said interviewing someone mm-hmm. you know, just kind of getting to know uh the folks that he that he works with um, he's he's a really really awesome uh, asset for here at for, for us here at, at st vincent de paul so i didn't want to take too much of his time i do want to unpack some of the really cool stuff that he said some of his insights mm-hmm. um, so first of all this idea of us being interdependent. I love it. I feel like I know that in my gut. I do. Yes. I know it in my guts and it gets so lost. And I think we, it's so easy for us to think that we're little islands, right? So, so I've, yes. And I've, and I've heard, I've heard, um, priest friends and, and just different people say that the, the one, the, the biggest lie that the devil tells us is mm. that we're all alone. Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so, so to me, that makes this message of our of our dependence on one another, maybe the biggest truth mm-hmm. that we you know need to, uh, in in order to truly be disciples, in order to truly evangelize, in order to truly experience encounter God. Right. Maybe this is that that biggest truth is that we we do it together. That yeah. we do it as a as a church. Right. That we do it as a community. Whether we're experiencing the community of the Trinity, right, mm-hmm. in our in our prayer to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or you know we're having coffee with a friend, like we talked about last week, mm-hmm. that that um, that this kind of you know this this communal community nature of the church is something that we really keep at the forefront of of our of our ministry, of absolutely, our, of our experience of God. Yeah, yeah, because He is relational. He is relational. I think that that whole idea that He Himself is a community is like it's un, just undeniable that mm-hmm. this is what, what we're supposed to do this is how we're supposed to live this is how we're supposed to see and experience him mm-hmm. is is through community mm-hmm. do we i mean uh, and and to even take that further into maybe the common um uh sort of common more um con- contemporary lingo right so we we talk about self-care we talk about um you know our 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 ego kind of seeing our own our own personalities or dr john points something out that i think maybe again gets lost is is do we see our own dignity right do we see ourselves Mm. as this this creation um of god uh, that god holds in very high esteem that god Mm -hmm. you know kind of loves right in this in this overwhelming and and an infinite way. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, you know, when I think about God's love being infinite, that kind of gets lost on me. Like, I, like that's kind of in one ear and out the other yeah. usually, right? Because of... It feels so big. It feels so big and it feels so like, 
know, there's no way I could ever really understand that. Right. I could ever really appreciate it. Right. Yeah. But I think God is calling us and, and calling, you know, at least he's calling me to, to stop and recognize that, right. To stop and recognize his love. Even if I don't understand it, even yeah. if I can't fathom it, right. To stop and recognize it and say, okay, I know it's there. I know that it's there and I know that it's overwhelming and big and perfect and it's for me. Mm-hmm. And even though I don't understand it, that doesn't keep it from, from being, being there. True. And it doesn't keep mm-hmm. it, keep me from experiencing it. Yeah. Right. Um, that's, that's just, uh, really, really tough. I think yeah. for a lot of people to keep in perspective. And so, um, maybe that's, maybe that's our, maybe that's our challenge for Advent. Yeah. Well, you know, it's almost like, um, exercise that holy pause mm-hmm. and just think about that concept. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a friend of mine, um, I was, I was going through some stuff. I'd had like a breakup and stuff and, and you know, different things kind of going on in my life. And I had a friend of mine, um, kind of sit me down one day and she, she just, and she was kind of a cat, like a casual acquaintance. Like she, like we weren't real close, but we had worked together in some, some ministry. And, and she just said, you know, James, you're not going to be happy until you, you actually let God love you. Ooh. You know, and it, and it did was, that come as a surprise to you? It or came, like, it oh. came as a, as a surprise that she said it, but it mm. was like, Oh, I've needed to hear that for a long time. Like it was like, it felt that, familiar. That's the, the puzzle piece that's been missing. Right. It felt so familiar. You knew, and, but yeah, you needed to hear it. Exactly. And, and it was a really, you know, kind of a, kind of a big, mm. you know, like frying pan moment yeah. you know, in my relationship with God. It was like, okay, I have a choice here yeah, and, and I'm not allowing God who loves me to love me in some way and to kind of look around for those things where I was, I was telling him no, mm-hmm. you know? Um, wow. Yeah. Well, that's just another plug for relational ministry too. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, find a retreat, find a buddy. Yeah. Find, you know, um, you know, find, find your people in your relationship with yeah. God because they're, because they're out there. And you know what else? It's like, it's scary. Like, um, the whole idea of numbers going up during zoom because of that fear being, uh, taken away of like showing up in person, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. um, feeling like, uh, I'm not enough or whatever, whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know. Whatever the scary things are with showing up in person that are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, with the zoom, I think, you know, like we've talked about before, like growth happens It does when you stretch yourself in it those does. uncomfortable situations. So it does. Yeah. And you know, a lot of that, a lot of that is not necessarily about growing and taking on so many new things. It's, it can also be about growing and realizing the stuff that you don't need, the stuff that mm. you're carrying around that you don't need. Right. So, you can so I'm, I'm carrying around maybe this, this fear of, mm-hmm of being in a community, this fear of, of letting my, my guard down about, you know, joining the choir or something like that. Right. And, and you realize that that, that fear has a lot more weight than actually going and doing it. Yeah. Right. It, 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 it really, really does. So we want to, um, encourage you, uh, all of our, um, ragamuffin listeners. We want to say thank you for, um, for just listening and tuning in and, and, uh, being awesome and spending time with us. Cause this matters. It does. It does. And we, we really, um, thank you for that time. We thank you for your, um, just your, your support and really want to encourage you to, again, find your people, find your people in prayer, find mm-hmm. someone you can, you can pray with. Um, I know for me this Advent season, uh, I, I really want to, uh, to jump into some different prayer. I've been thinking about that. That's been on my heart, right. Kind of revamping my prayer life and my friend, Nikki, uh, got me an every sacred every sacred Sunday um, prayer book, right? Uh, yes. To just and to do just that, and I had no idea that she was gonna gonna do that for me. So, uh, thank you, Nikki. And yeah, I, welcome. I really appreciate that. And um, so, I, I encourage you to to again take those um, those questions, those concerns, those fears, those different things that you have. Take them to God and and let Him provide. Let Him kind of love on let you. Let Him those, love you in those wow. those different ways. Yeah. I bet you there are people who need to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We all do all the time. I think it's a really, really important thing. Hmm. God God loves you. We love you so much. Um, We don't love you as much as God does, but that's okay because he's amazing. He's God. Yeah. I I can't compete with that. Yeah, I can't. I don't want. I don't want to. (laughs) That's too big. I I saw Bruce Almighty. I don't. Oh my god! I don't want to compete with that. (laughs) That movie's so good. I I remember that movie. That's good. That's a good movie. That's awesome. All right, Ragamuffins, we're going to get out of here. Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. We will not be back next week during Thanksgiving. We're going to take the week off. 
Um, but we'll be back for Advent, and that's exciting. We've got some cool things in store for you this Advent season. Yes, we do. Peace. Peace out, guys. to Church Podcast is an AMET Creative production and is hosted by James Longoria and Nikki Moncada. Our theme music is Candle in the Shadows by the Poor Kings. Check them out on Spotify or wherever you download music. Incidental music is by Punch Deck. Find us on Instagram at Late to Church Podcast and let us know your questions, comments, and thoughts by contacting Late to Church Podcast at gmail.com. Your insights might even be featured on the show. Just a little reminder, you are good. You are worthy. You are the beloved. Look around for the Lord today. He loves you and he wants an encounter with you. Thank you for journeying with us. We're praying for you. Peace.